0: Thanks, Pastor Jeremy, for taking a risk on me. (laughs) I know what it's like to bring speakers into churches, right? And uh, then you spend three months cleaning up the mess after they've left. So I promise I won't make a mess for you, okay? I promise. I'll be pretty straightforward. Uh, You know, my background, I came to faith at 17 years old. And so um, my dad was Anglican. My mother was Muslim, okay? So I was born in Karachi, Pakistan so I'm Pakistani. Yes, it's hard for me to go through airport security. Yeah. You know that profiling thing they say they don't do? They do! <laughs> I stopped using my passport actually going through security because um, every, you know, it says birthplace, Karachi, Pakistan. Every time I use my... now I'm a trusted traveler. Yes, I have a nexus card. And so it's easier for me now to get through security, but before when I used my passport, it was always, sir, can we have a little interview with you on the side? Yes, you know. And because I have a weird sense of humor, you know, I'd I'd make a joke about bombs or drugs. I've been checked for prostate cancer a lot, but. (laughs) Was that a mess, Pastor? Right there. Are you wondering how I actually became district superintendent? I paid a lot of people off. No, it's nice to hear you laugh. It's fun to be in church, right? This is not a stuffy place. This is about a place we rejoice. Jesus and we learn and we grow and we love each other so it's fun to be in church so let me dig right in today I want to direct your attention to the book of Galatians Galatians chapter 6 my text is actually in chapter 6 verse 7 it'll probably come up on the board somewhere there it is Uh, I want to talk about the law of sowing and reaping now agriculture is not my strong suit when we lived here in Summerland and pastored the church up there Um, We had a tree. We lived on Carlstrom Street, and we had a big tree in the background, and my wife, Brenda, has banned me from ever pruning a tree. Because I killed that puppy. You know, I got away on the saw and started lopping off branches and everything, and then suddenly it just became three sticks from the ground. And it probably never recovered. We should actually drive back there on our way home and see if that tree still lives. But... um, I'm not an expert in horticulture. I'm not a a great uh, gardener. Uh, When I get to, you know, to the the heavenly realm, I'm sure Jesus will say, Hey, it's Russell. Get him away from the tree of life. (laughs) If he starts pruning that puppy, we're all gone. You know, so I won't be anywhere near the tree of life. But anyways, let me, let me suggest to you that there is a text that Paul uses in this passage in Galatians that is key and fundamental to our character. Now let me also suggest to you that Jesus is equally concerned about your character as he is your conduct. Both things must work in harmony together because we know that out of our character comes our conduct. Out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the, what we pack into our soul, our mind, our spirit, and our heart, our actions and our decisions are made. And so what we're putting in to our soul and into our mind and into our heart matters, right? Yes. It really, really matters. If you're a young person or a senior here today, it matters what we put into our soul. So let me pick up the text. Galatians 6 verse 7. Don't be misled. Some translations say, don't be fooled. Okay, God, remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. Other translations say, God will not be mocked. You will always reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged. How many of you have just felt so discouraged lately? Just throw up your hand, okay? You're not alone. Yeah. You know, COVID-19 hit us hard. There's all kinds of weirdness going on in our world today with violence and political tension and, you know, I mean, a Starbucks near our home, a guy gets stabbed to death in front of his child, you know? I'm thinking, I don't ever want Brenda going to Starbucks again. Like, that's why we got a latte machine. All right? (laughs) And it saves all kinds of money. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, So don't get tired of doing what's good. Don't get discouraged and give up, for we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. I've underlined that passage. Uh, Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those of our Christian brothers and sisters. Don't get tired, don't give up. Keep sowing in your own soul, in your own heart, in your own mind, the the seed of the spirit. Because out of the seed of the spirit, a harvest of righteousness will grow. It takes time, so don't get weary in doing good. Now, the Bible talks about two kinds of personal harvests that we can experience in our lives, okay? And that is actually not found in the, in the chapter I'm reading, chapter 6. It's actually found in chapter 5. Okay, so if you're looking on your devices or if you have a hard copy of the Bible, flip back one chapter and look at chapter 5, and uh, particularly chapter 5, verse 17. We realize in this passage that the acts of the carnal nature can be sown into our lives, right? The acts of the carnal nature, all of us have a carnal nature, and if we sow seed unto that carnal nature, if we uh, water and fertilize and, and tend to the, to the, the carnal nature, a, uh, a harvest of unrighteousness or carnality will begin to grow in our lives. That's what the Bible says in Galatians chapter five. So when you sow seeds of carnality, you will reap a harvest of these things, okay? They're all listed there. They're not on my PowerPoint, but you can look at them when you get home. Immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, envy, dissensions, factions, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Okay, that's what Paul says. If you start sowing stuff in your life, in your heart, your soul, your mind, for the carnal nature, seeds of carnality, this is what you can expect will be growing in your conduct. Okay, all of those things I just listed off for you. That's the natural byproduct of sowing to that carnal nature. But Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is not like those acts of the carnal nature. He says, if you start sowing seed unto the Spirit, which is in Galatians 6, you will expect to reap a harvest, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. What are those things? Well, he lists them off too. He says, love, joy, peace, patience. kindness. (laughs) kindness. <laughs> Did you notice the acts, yeah, the, you know, the. I'm struggling with that. Anybody else in the room struggling with patience? Okay, thank you. We have a support group for all of us back there after the service. Coffee, donuts, we'll put it all on, all right? I'm kidding. There's no support group, okay? Patience. Lord, help me with that. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, the question I have to ask myself, can... Do you want to do, do you want a harvest that looks like the first batch of descriptors? Or do you want a harvest that looks like the fruit of the Spirit? And the answer, of course, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is yes, I want to have a life that is growing the fruit of the Spirit. But it doesn't come naturally, it requires some intentionality on my part to be making sure that I'm feeding the soil of my heart, feeding the soil of my mind and and my spirit with the seed of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, rather than the things of the carnal nature that we find all over the earth. You're wondering why, uh, probably you're not wondering, but society is wondering why our our culture has become so violent. Now, I'm not criticizing video games here, and I'm not, you know, uh, being negative about them, but just think about the the violence that we see on TV and on video games and on the internet. We're, we're just a culture that feasts on violence, right? We call it, you know, action films. I love action. I love Mission Impossible and Born Identity and all those things, right? And, but I, if you really think about it, like that is, we've desensitized ourselves to violence. But our culture has embraced it and now we're seeing the fruit of that right? In all of the violent acts that are happening around our world. So here's the basic law of sowing and reaping. Okay. There's a link between sowing. So whatever you sow into the ground becomes your result. If you're a banker in the financial industry, you'll realize this as the law of return on investments, ROI. You put in into an investment and you get out something from that investment. If you are of the Buddhist persuasion, you will have thought of it as karma. What goes around, comes around. Okay? Hopefully we don't have any Buddhists here. Well, if you we do, let me introduce you to Jesus. Okay? <laughs> uh, the kind, the quality, and the quantity of how you sow, you shall also reap. That's a basic principle. If you sow sparingly, guess what? You'll reap sparingly. If you sow abundantly, generously, this is not a sermon on tithing or giving, but if you sow generously, you will reap a blessing, a harvest that you can't even contain. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says also that a good tree can't produce bad fruit. So the quality, the kind of seed that you put into your character becomes the outflow. It becomes the growth. Okay? This works in all sides of life. It works in your character. It works in your worship. Now, let me, th- let me make an observation here. Brett and all, everybody on, I was going to b- name you all by name, but then I realized I don't know all your names, okay? <laughs> everybody that was on stage here, outstanding job. Yeah. Give them a hand. <clears throat> outstanding. But they can only do so much here, <laughs> right? Your Sunday morning worship worship experience can only go to the edge of the stage. The rest is up to you. So you can go like this. You know, you can be thinking about your checkbook. You can be thinking about that fence that needs to be repaired in your house or the the renovations you're doing. Let's not talk about renovations because Brenda and I are not having a good time right now. We're renovating our house, okay? Every time she speaks, ka-ching! More money, okay. <laughs> so it, it works in all aspects of your, whatever you put in, you get out. So the worship team can't make you worship, they can just lead and create an environment where you enter into God's presence and you feel His, his presence. Your worship, your conduct, your conversation. Uh, our electrician who's doing the renovations, every second word he says is an F word. Like, and I'm thinking, wow, he's using that as an adjective. <laughs> in ways I never imagined. <laughs> you know? But that's all he's feasted on. Right? It's my goal to lead him to Christ. You know? It happens in all areas of our life. Character, worship, conduct, conversation, relationships. It's all there. Okay? Now, let me move from the sowing and reaping principle to three things I'd like to highlight for you. In the biblical study I've done on this topic, I want to show you that sowing and reaping has three ancillary principles that go actually beyond the, the um, obvious. The obvious. Here's the three that are ancillary principles that we have to realize about a personal harvest. The first one is this: sometimes we reap what other people have sown. Okay? And we have to recognize that both in the positive sense and in the negative sense. In the positive sense, sometimes we benefit from other people's faithfulness. Let me show you that in Scripture. John 4, 37. Thus the saying is true, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Isn't that interesting? Kind of sounds contradictory to what I was saying earlier. But Paul, uh, John, in his gospel, actually is quoting Jesus here, and he's saying... I have sent you, I have sent people before you who have done the hard work of sowing and you're reaping the benefits. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Let me give you a living example of this. I've been pastoring for 30 plus years, 35. I have led so many people to Christ at the altars of my churches all the way through that I had nothing to do with their discipleship. Someone else sowed into their lives. Someone else had the coffees with them. Someone else walked through tragedy with them and pain and suffering. And they said yes to Jesus because Ken led them in a prayer. Someone else did the hard work. I reap the harvest right there, right? Let me give you another example. I'm married to the most positive woman on the planet, okay? It can be the worst circumstances and, and I, I would be in the depths of despair and Brenda goes, well, let's look at the bright side. Shut up! There is no bright side. The sky is falling and everything's going to pot, you know? (laughs) You're you're getting an opinion of me right now, aren't you? (sighs) She's the most positive person in my life. She sows into my life positivity. You know, my mother, she's 4 foot 11, she's in a wheelchair now. She's 95 years old, okay? She's still alive. My dad's gone on to be with with Jesus, but... My mother, she's Pakistani, in her Pakistani accent, oh, Kenny, you're such a beautiful baby. (laughs) She was right. (laughs) One day you will be the prime minister. (laughs) I'm not gonna be the prime minister of Canada, okay. But she always encouraged me, you can do anything, put your hand to, you'll be doing great. She cheered me on all my life. She has sown into my life things that I didn't work for, just positivity. Let me show it to you in the negative sense now. We can also reap what others have sown in the negative sense. Okay, let me show you this. Sometimes we hurt from other people's wickedness, right? Matthew 13 is a parable that Jesus teaches. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as everyone slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's servants came came and told him, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. An enemy has done it, the farmer exclaimed. We see another ancillary principle here is that when we start sowing seed, good seed in the fertile soil of our heart, the enemy is right there. And the enemy uses your neighbor or your friend or your boss at work or that that crabby friend to sow weed. Not the (laughs) weed. (laughs) This is Penticton, not the lower mainland or Victoria. But uh, (laughs) you know, but not that weed, but the weeds. You know what the, the actual word here in the original language is? is darnell. Okay, He sows darnel. Darnel looks like wheat. It actually resembles wheat. And it imitates wheat in its growth. And oftentimes, harvesters or farmers can't tell the difference between darnel and true wheat. And so, actually, if you read that parable, Jesus says, don't pluck out the darnel. Which is contrary. It makes us wonder, what? What is Jesus teaching us here? He's saying, don't go after the darnel, the weeds in your life, thinking that you have the wisdom and the discernment to take it out of your life or someone else's life. He says, I've got angels and harvesters who will do that at the end of all age. He says, I want you to tend the wheat and leave the darnel alone. I'll look after that. And what we Christians would term as sanctification is Christ's supernatural process of taking out the Darnell in our lives. We're not to do it. How many times have I gone around trying to fix people? Have Any of you tried to fix people? Have you tried to fix your spouse lately? It doesn't work, okay? Don't try and pluck Darnell out of your spouse's life, okay? It's not gonna work. Instead, let Jesus do the work. Let the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit take the darnell to, to take care of the darnell in people's life. Let me share a quick story. I was pastoring our church in Port Moody many years ago, 1991, I think it was. 1991, I was at Port Moody. Pastor Fricker is here. He used to. Were you a pastor there? Uh, just after I think I left, you were pastoring there. Anyways, I was pastoring there as the associate to Bill Gibson and. Um, we were in the old building on St. John Street, and uh, my office was directly uh, from the staircase off the highway. I was sitting in my office one day, and this lady walked in, and she poked her head, poked her head into my office and said, can I speak to a pastor? And I said, you're lucky day. <laughs> I'm a pastor. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I said, hey, I'm a pastor. Can I help you? She came in, sat down. She had big, dark glasses on. I could tell that she was a street worker, a sex worker. And uh, she uh, sat down I said, let's start by you telling me your name. And she said, well, my name is Jenny with an I. I don't know why that was important to her, but it was important. I said, okay, Jenny, uh, let's go on. And why don't you tell me your story? What's, what's happened in your life? And I'll tell you friends, that moment she began to unpack the most horrific story I've ever heard in ministry. She said, when I was 11 years old, my mom died. My dad was a drunk and a drug addict and a gambler. And he would often lock me up in the basement of our our little bungalow home that had no windows, no light, no water, nothing. It was just studs and, and concrete. Lock me up in there for days. Without food and water. And then he would come home in a drunken and drug induced state. And oftentimes he would have friends who he would bring home. And at 11, from 11 to about 15 years old, he would beat me, he would um, torture me. And she rolled up her sleeve at that moment and showed me cigarette burns all the way up her arm. And he said, I was, she said, I was raped multiple times by men who had a gambling, my dad had a gambling debt with, and so he would just turn them loose on me. I said, Jenny, I just began to cry. It takes a lot for me to cry. And I I started crying. I said, Jenny, 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 the enemy has sown seeds of wickedness in your life. You have not done this. An enemy has done this. I picked up my phone right there from my desk and I called a lady in our, in our congregation. And I said, could you come down to my office right away? I've got a very important issue here. She left what she was doing. She came in and I introduced her, the two of them. And I explained the story and she took Jenny to her home and loved her and nurtured her, put her in a spare bedroom, took care of all her needs uh, just loved on her for many, many years. Like I, I, af- Shortly after that, we resigned and started pastoring Poor Kel's Church in Surrey. But this relationship continued. Now, let me fast forward to you, for you, because the story's long. Let me fast forward just a few years ago. I go back to Coquitlam Christian Center now, okay? They had a daycare there called Shining Star Daycare. And as I came into the lobby, now as a district superintendent... This woman comes up to me, and she's running across the lobby. Pastor Ken, do you remember me? And I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) I am so sorry. I don't recognize you at all. She goes, I'm Jenny with an I. (laughs) Jenny! And I gave her a big hug. This woman is completely transformed. Her facial, yeah, give that, give Jesus a hand. She said, I'm working in the daycare full time. I've got a purpose in life. I'm a believer. I've been born again. My whole life has changed. I'm married now. You're married now. That's great. The power of Jesus is transformative. Friends, sometimes we suffer from the wickedness of the enemy at the hands of those who are used by him. It's an ancillary principle. But God looks after the Darnell. Please, hear me today. Don't go after the Darnell. Let Jesus do the work. Keep planting, what does Galatians say? Keep planting good seed. Do not get tired. Do not grow weary of planting good seed. God will take care of the bad stuff. Just keep planting good. The second principle is sowing and reaping never happen at the same time. My timer says I've got five minutes left. I will be on time, Pastor. All right? Oh, it's buzzing now. Okay, you've got to go fast, okay? (laughs) Sowing and reaping never happen at the same time. This is the patience issue with me, okay? So don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged. Many of us get discouraged because we don't see the results right away. When you plant a seed in the ground, there's no such thing as an instant plant, right? It takes time. For we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. James chapter 5 says, Consider the farmers who eagerly look for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They patiently wait for the precious harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. If I could rip that scripture out of the Bible, I would. I can't. It's there. And it's speaking to me right now. Okay? And I know in the four and a half hour drive home today, my wife will remind me of this. Okay? She said, I don't you ever want you speaking on patience again. Okay? <laughs> she has said that. Didn't you just say that to me just recently? I'm preaching to me, not to you. I need to have this growing in my life. You too must be patient. There's a time to plant and a time to harvest, Ecclesiastes says. There's no such thing as an instant phenomenon called the harvest. It's not instant. It takes time. You have to be patient. Good seed produces good fruit over time. You don't get an apple the minute you plant a tree. Okay? It takes time. It takes pruning. Divine virtues grow over time. Character develops over time. And as your Christ-like character develops, so will your conduct change. Your conduct will change over time. In the negative sense since bad seed also produces bad fruit. So be careful that you're not harvesting that. Last thing, and I'll close. So, there's these three ancillary in- in principles, okay? Sometimes we read positively and negatively from other people's sowing. Harvests don't happen all at the same time. It takes time to grow. Be careful of the negative and the positive harvest in your life. And the last thing is the Bible promises us that the harvest is always a multiple of what you put in. Did you know that? It's multiplied. Let me show you this. This is such a truth. This is amazing truth. Seeds are multiplied at harvest time. 2 Corinthians. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. If you want an illustration of the scripture, go home, get a tomato out out of your fridge. One tomato, cut it up and count the number of seeds in that tomato. That tomato came from one seed in the ground and look at the seeds that it produces this is the phenomenon that that is taught here in, in Galatians chapter 5 the seed of your your sowing will multiply at harvest in the negative and in the positive okay so be careful Whatever seed you plant in the ground, negative or positive, will multiply during harvest. The truth in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Whatever you put in, you will get out in multiples. Okay? There are amazing amounts of of principles. Pastor Holly is coming back with the team in a moment and I just want to close with this. Wherever we have the opportunity, this is what Paul says, okay? Whenever we have the opportunity, do good. We should always do good. Do good in the lives of other people and make sure that you're planting good seed in your own soul, in your own spirit, in your own heart. Because out of that, your conduct will grow. Good seeds in your own life, good seeds in the lives of others, please take this with empathy as I close. Never plant wickedness in other people's lives. Jenny with an eyes, dad, I don't know if he's alive anymore. But I pray he'll come to Jesus one day and repent. Maybe he has already. But you know what, we have so many examples of that. I bet you there are people in this room right now who have suffered at the hands of abuse, right? I bet you there are people right now, if I was to say, have you been abused in your life? I won't ask you to raise your hand. You would say, yes, Ken, that's me. That story that Jenny experienced is my story in a different context. First of all, for those who have been abused, Jesus recognizes your pain. He recognizes your pain. And he wants to heal you of that. So as we close in prayer, Pastor Holly will will close. But please remember, there's a prayer team here. There are pastoral staff here who want to pray for you. God bless you.